Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Rain Man from 1988. The studios were United Artists and MGM. The release date was December 16th, 1988. The running time, 134 minutes, and it was rated R. The budget, $25 million. The box office took in $173 million, making it the top-ranked movie of 1988. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 89% fresh from 83 reviews. Their consensus is, this road trip movie about an autistic savant and his cowboy brother is far from seamless, but Barry Levinson's direction is impressive, and strong performances from Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman add to its appeal. Roger Ebert, at the time, gave it 3.5 out of 4 stars. Here's his review. Is it possible to have a relationship with an autistic person? Is it possible to have a relationship with a cat? I do not intend the comparison to be demeaning to the autistic. I am simply trying to get at something. I have useful relationships with both of my cats, and they are important to me, but I never know what the cats are thinking. That is precisely the situation that Charlie Babbitt, played by Tom Cruise, is faced with in Rain Man. His brother Raymond, played by Dustin Hoffman, is a high-level autistic. He can carry on conversations, stick to a schedule, compile baseball statistics, memorize dinner menus, and become disturbed when anything upsets his routine. He can also count 46 spilled toothpicks in an instant and calculate square roots in a flash. But what is he thinking? There is a moment in Rain Man that crystallizes all the frustrations that Charlie feels about Raymond. A moment when he cries out, I know there has to be somebody inside there. But who and where? Rain Man is so fascinating because it refuses to supply those questions with sentimental but unrealistic answers. This is not a movie like Charlie in which there is a miracle cure. Rain Man works so well within Raymond's limitations because it's a movie about limitations. Particularly, Charlie's own limited ability to love those in his life, or to see things from their point of view. Rayman is a project that Hoffman and Cruz have been determined to bring to the screen for a long time. Barry Levinson came on board after three previous directors signed off on this material. The problem, of course, was Raymond. If the fiction is about change, then how can you make a movie about a man who cannot change, whose whole life is anchored and defended by routine? Few actors could get anywhere with this challenge, and fewer still could absorb and even entertain us with their performances. But Hoffman proves again that he almost seems to thrive on impossible acting challenges. At the end of Rain Man, I felt a certain love for Raymond, the Hoffman character. I don't know quite how Hoffman got me to do it. He does not play cute or lovable or pathetic. He is matter-of-fact, straight down the middle, uninflected, unmoved uncomprehending in all of his scenes, except when his routine is disrupted, when he grows disturbed until it is restored. And yet I could believe that Cruz's character was beginning to love him, because that was how I felt too. I loved him for what he was, not for what he was not or could not be. By the end of Rayman, what have we learned? I think the movie is about acceptance. Charlie Babbitt's first appearance in the movie has him wheeling and dealing in the face of imminent ruin, trying to control his life and lives of others by blind, arrogant willpower. What Raymond teaches him is that he can relax, because try as he might, 
He will always be powerless over other people. They will do just about what they choose to do, no matter how loud Charlie Babbitt screams. Raymond has a lot he can teach Charlie about acceptance, even if it is the solitary thing he knows. And that's the end of Ebert's review. Rayman was way ahead of its time when it was made in the late 1980s. Today, the diagnosis of autism is far more common than it was 35 years ago. Back then, people that were in the autistic spectrum were usually labeled as retarded or slow, especially if they were in a school system that didn't correctly diagnose their disability. So when I first saw the film, I was taken by the humor of the film that took place during the serious scenes. It also introduced me on screen to someone different mentally. It was easy to spot somebody with a physical disability, but Rain Man offered millions of people the chance to have empathy for more complex afflictions. Okay, let's get into the main cast. Of course, Dustin Hoffman plays Raymond Babbitt. By 1988, Hoffman was already considered one of the finest actors of his generation, which had already been two decades long at that point. His most notable films prior to Rain Man, get ready. The Graduate, Midnight Cowboy, Straw Dogs, Papillon, All the President's Men, Marathon Man, Kramer vs. Kramer, and Tootsie. Though his last film prior to Rain Man was one of his most infamously panned films of all time, it was 1987's Ishtar with Warren Beatty. Tom Cruise plays Charlie Babbitt. So while Dustin Hoffman was already Hollywood royalty, Cruise had just hit superstardom after the enormous hit of Top Gun in 1986. Now, I covered one of his first films on this podcast. It was the 1983 sex comedy Losing It. Next would be The Outsiders with tons of young actors who would make it big in the 80s. Cruz would just continue a steady rise with Risky Business and All the Right Moves and Legend before Top Gun made him a superstar. After Top Gun, it was The Color of Money with Paul Newman, which was the sequel to The Hustler. Next was Cocktail and then Rayman. Valeria Golino plays Susanna. The Italian actress starred in films in the early 80s, making films in her native country of Italy. She moved to Hollywood, and her first American film was in the Pee Wee Herman sequel, Big Top Pee Wee. Next came Rain Man. Talk about a stark difference. Her other notable films would be similar to Big Top Pee Wee, playing Charlie Sheen's girlfriend in the Top Gun spoof, Hot Shots. The director, Barry Levinson. Levinson's first major film was 1982's Diner with Steve Gutenberg, Mickey Rourke, Kevin Bacon, Daniel Stern, and Ellen Barkin. But it was his next film that is still arguably one of the best. 1984's The Natural with Robert Redford, one of the greatest baseball movies ever made. Next was Young Sherlock Holmes, Tin Man with Richard Dreyfuss and Danny DeVito, and the very successful Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams. Okay, let's get into the making of the film. So director Barry Levinson was the fourth director connected to the film, as Ebert mentioned. However, prior to him eventually becoming the director on Rain Man, Sidney Pollack was the director and Levinson had been reading the script and called Pollack to pass along his notes and feedback. Levinson had been on vacation with his wife and was explaining the story of the film to her, and she suggested that he be the one that direct the film, and she was very persistent. About three to four weeks later, Pollock dropped out, and Levinson accepted the directing role. Now, the other two directors attached were Martin Brest and Steven Spielberg. Even though Levinson was new to the project, the wheels had been in motion for over a year as Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise were already cast in their roles, and Hoffman, in particular, had been studying autism for his role with specialists for almost a year at that point. Levinson's key early contribution was to simplify the plot and not have it be too convoluted. 
And that's exactly how the film ended up. When you watch Rain Man, the plot is very cut and dry. The film is essentially a series of vignettes between Charlie and Raymond learning about each other. Now, the casting of Valeria Galino as Susanna was a key choice, according to Levinson, as he wanted the character to not be American and have English not be her first language. The reason is that she could break the rhythm and give a different perspective to a situation that Tom Cruise's character, on his own, could not portray. She could ask questions about what he's doing and therefore inform the audience of his thought process in a unique way. And her presence is perfect in the film, as she often offers the empathy that is much needed since the Charlie character lacks much of that empathy throughout the film. Co-screenwriter Ron Bass was conscientious not to write the film as a documentary. He didn't want the film to be all about facts for autism. The Raymond character had savant autism, and Bass helped develop the character around this premise without trying to cram medical jargon down the audience's throats. The original script and character that writer Barry Morrow created for Raymond was that he was not as highly functioning as what the character ended up as. He was more of a lower IQ, mentally retarded person, but a sweet and lovable character similar to his friend named Bill, which I'll cover in a bit. It's then that Dustin Hoffman suggested that the character possibly be autistic savant, which is a more challenging type of character for him to play. However, it would be a long time before that came to fruition, since the director Martin Bress wanted to stick to the original characters and script. It was actually when Steven Spielberg became part of the film who thought that the heart of the film was a love story between Charlie and Raymond, but the conflict had to be through the autism plot angle. How do you actually overcome that obstacle? Spielberg eventually had to drop out of the film because he had committed to directing the third Indiana Jones film, which was The Last Crusade, but very much regretted years later that he wasn't the one able to direct Rain Man. As it turned out, Ron Bass's sister Diane was a social worker at UCLA and had experience working with autistic people, and she was able to be an advisor for Ron's script. One of her contributions about Raymond's savant capability was that he was exactly the same person the entire film. He never changes. It's Charlie who goes on the roller coaster evolution of emotions. But one of the autistic traits that the Raymond character has, and others like him have in real life, is that no matter what he experiences, he stays the same throughout. And it's up to the other people to be conscientious not to disrupt Raymond's world. This makes writing for the Raymond character really tricky, because traditionally, all characters have an arc when being written. But Raymond cannot. It wouldn't be factually truthful for someone with this type of autism. So Barry Morrow, the co-writer of Rain Man, had a friend named Bill Sachter for about a decade who was mentally challenged, which gave Morrow the impetus for writing Rain Man. However, his initial writings about his friend were adapted into a TV movie in 1981 called Bill. This starred Mickey Rooney and Dennis Quaid. Specifically for Rain Man, Morrow's meeting with Kim Peek, an autistic savant man who was in his mid-30s at the time, this is when the story of Rain Man morphed into more of a story about autism. Peek was able to read and memorize books at an amazing speed and was always able to recall everything he read, similar to the Raymond character in the film. So I'm not going to really deep dive into autism for a few reasons. One, I'm certainly not an expert. And I think if you're interested in the subject, there are thousands of books and papers about the topic available. And a quick podcast episode just can't do that. I would also suggest talking to parents of autistic kids, as they can help you better understand some of the questions and interests you may have. All right, let's get into the film. So it opens with Charlie Babbitt inspecting a group of four imported Lamborghinis. 
due panafarine, una rossa e un argento del 79 e dell'82. Quale? Sì, no, non è che sono sospettosa. L'ultima volta che mi hai detto un piccolo danno alla carrozzeria mi è arrivata una carcaccia. Quante volte ti with EPA? Ah, sì, sono finalmente clearing EPA. Ho solo una o due volte. Tre volte? You're really on a roll here, my friend. Four cars, three times each. Mm -hmm. That's zip for 12. Are you a mechanic or a NASA engineer? Now listen, now, I told you I've never dealt with these Lamborghinis before, and yet you assured me that you could deliver these cars within that time frame. Well, uh, so don't, don't tell me that, because I'm not even listening. Well, sir, I hardly think that's necessary. Well, I'll explain that to my swing loan. I'm sure it'll be very sympathetic. I'm into him for 200,000. That's thousand, my friend, three zeros. I got all my money tied up in these cars, and if I don't get my money out, I am over. I am finished. Do you understand that? Well, you have to understand our situation here. I don't give a damn about your problems. I got the shark snapping in my heels here. No, They're going to no, take in the car in my business 11 days ago. They're collateral, for God's sake. I have to hold out the whip in a chair here. I understand that. I know delivery is way overdue. It's but friggin' EPA. The whole world is choking on smog, and they're going to correct the situation by keeping my four cars off well, the road? Well, of course. Bobby Collectibles. Well, have you tried oh, cash? How much can one of these EPA Charlie. guys earn in well, a week? Huh? Charlie, it's Wyatt. Wyatt? Yeah. But the swing loan, he doesn't get the money by 5.30, he's going to come and seize all the cars. I'm going to have to call you back. I, I really think you should talk to Mr. Babbitt on this. I tell him that you don't understand. I signed a check on Tuesday. You personally watched me sign it, and then you gave it to the mail girl. Come on, come on, I need this. The woman Charlie is talking to is his co-worker and girlfriend, Susanna, played by Valeria Golino. Charlie's business, while legal, sort of straddles the line of being a bit sketchy since he often robs Peter to pay Paul. If things don't go as planned, his business could be done because he can't pay back his loans. But Charlie is also a smooth talker and will pretty much say anything to get a deal done. While this helps him at times, it also gets him into trouble because he thinks he can handle anything. Charlie buys some time with his clients, and so he and Susanna head to Palm Springs on vacation. And while on the road, Charlie gets a phone call on his car phone. Yes, very novel at the time. Listen, I don't want to be demanding here, but do you think, could you possibly say, I don't know, 10 or 12 words before we get to the hotel? Hmm? Consider it foreplay. Can, can you include me in some of your thoughts? I'm just thinking, you know, nothing special, I'm just thinking. Maybe there's something that you're thinking about that we can talk, you know, make a little conversation. Well, if there's something to talk about, Susanna, you know, we'd be talking about it. I'm just thinking, what's the big to-do about me thinking here? Oh, no, Charlie, I just feel like, you know, I'm going away for a few days with someone. Call me crazy. Okay, you want to talk? Let's talk. How was I your day? I want to talk. Such a, I feel well, like you're talk. excluding me from what's going on. It's not that I want to talk. One of these again, Susanna. How do we get back to oh. one of these? I don't want to... I don't know why I put up with all this. What else? You wanted to go to Palm Springs, and we're going to yes, Palm Springs. but I didn't want to go alone. I've been sitting in this car for more than you want to talk? Let's half. talk. Let's talk. This is not talking. This is you going like... Yeah. Charlie, this is Lenny. I've been trying to contact you for a while. I got a call, a long-distance call from Mr. Mooney. You know, your father's lawyer. He's been trying to reach you. Your father has died, Charlie. Charlie? Uh-huh. I'm sorry. The funeral's tomorrow in Cincinnati. He said you'd know where. I've got his number. That's not necessary. Anything else? Oh, that's it. Listen, Charlie, if there's anything I can All do, right. just call... Sorry about the weekend, huh? Charlie, the weekend? Look, I told you before, we had a falling out a long time ago. 
My mother died when I was two. It was just him and me. We, you know, we just, we just didn't get along. You're going to the funeral, no? Yeah. I'm coming with you. That's really sweet, but it's, it's really no point, you know? I want to. That's the point. All right. I, sorry, I forgot who I was talking to. Respect for him will live beyond the years of his life on earth. Let us consecrate ourselves to follow his example of zest for life, dedication to family, and charity to all. And now, with sure and certain hope of resurrection life, we commend to you the soul of our departed friend. Just have to go over the details of the will with him tonight, and then we're out of here. Sure, I can wait in the car if you like. Charlie attends the funeral, but stands away from the gathering. He needs to stop by at his father's house to take care of the legal matters involving his father's will. Somebody should be watering those roses the whole time. Knew this car my whole life. Only drove it once. It's a 1949 Buick Roadmaster convertible. Only 8,000 production models made. Straight eight. Fireball eight. It's the first full year of the Dynaflow transmission. Know it by road. His only child. You came along when he was, what, 45 or something? Probably though he was never going to have a son. So he had to love you. I think you're exaggerating. You were his child, his son, his blood. Anyway, in these pictures here, he doesn't look like a man who doesn't well, love you. What are you doing child. looking at this? Put that away. No. Put that away. Okay, you want to hear a story? I'll tell you one but story. Don't get no, I'm just saying. You know the convertible in the garage, his baby, that and the goddamn roses. Yes. The, the car was off limits to me. That's a classic he'd say, it commands respect. It's not for children. Tenth grade, I'm 16 years old. And for once, I bring home a report card and it's almost all A's. I go to my old man, can I take the car out? You know, take the guys out in the Buick, sort of a victory drive. He says no. I take it anyway, I steal the keys, I sneak it out. You took the car with no permission? Yes. We're on Why? Club. Why then? Because I, I deserved it. You know, nothing I did was good enough for this guy. Don't you understand that? We're on Columbia Parkway, four kids. We get pulled over. And I uh, Pulled over. Woo, woo! What is pulled over, police? Yes, police. Can I finish? Yes. He called in a report of a stolen car. Not his yeah. son took the car without permission. Just stolen. Central Station, the other guy's dad's bail him out in an hour. He left me there two days. He left you in prison for two days? Two days. Were you scared? Yeah, I was scared. Left home, I never saw him again. Charlie, after a year we've been together, 
This is the first time I've heard this story. It's strange, no? I mean, how, how can you keep all this inside you and not say anything? It's, it's... When I was a kid and I got scared, the rain man would come and sing to me. Rain what? You know, one of those imaginary childhood friends. What happened to him? Nothing, I just grew up. Not so much. And I remember, too, the day you left home, so full of bitterness and grandiose ideas, so full of yourself. And being raised without a mother, the hardness of your heart is understandable as well. Uh, your refusal to even pretend that you loved or respected me, all these I forgive. But your failure to write, to telephone, to re-enter my life in any way has left me without a son. I wish you all I ever wanted for you. I wish you the best. I hereby bequeath to my son, Charles Sanford Babbitt, that certain Buick convertible, the very car that unfortunately brought our relationship to an end. Also, outright title to my prize-winning hybrid rose bushes. May they remind him of the value of excellence and the possibility of perfection. As for my home and all other property, real and personal, these shall be placed in trust, in accordance with the terms of that certain instrument executed concurrently Herewith. What does that mean, the last part? What does it mean? It means that the estate, in excess of $3 million after expenses and taxes, will go into a trust fund for a beneficiary to be named in this document. Who, who is that? Who no, I'm afraid that? I can't tell you that. Who controls the money? You, you control the no, money? No, it's called a trustee. What is that? How does that work? How does that work? Forgive me, but there's nothing more I can say. Now, I'm sorry, son. I can see that you're disappointed. Disappointed? Why should I be disappointed? I got rose bushes, didn't I? I got a used car, didn't I? W what's his name got? What'd you call him? The uh... beneficiary. Right, right, beneficiary. He got three million dollars, but he didn't get the rose bushes. I got the rose bushes. I definitely got the rose bushes. Charles. I definitely got the rose bushes. I mean, those are rose bushes. There is no need to. To what? To be upset? To be upset? If there is a hell, sir, my father's in it, and he is looking up right now, and he is laughing his ass off. Sanford Babbitt, you want to be that guy's son for five minutes? Did you hear that letter? Were you listening? Yes, sir, I was. Were you? No. Could you repeat it? Because I, I can't believe my fucking ears. While the scene isn't meant to be funny, the way Tom Cruise plays the scene, so incredulous about what his father left or didn't leave him, was just perfect. The Charlie character has been selfish his entire life, and while much of it could be due to him lacking a mother to raise him, Ultimately, he's never dropped the chip off his shoulder as an adult. And his verbal repetition of, but I got the rose bushes, is a bit of foreshadowing for a key character and their vocal traits coming up. Charlie does some investigating, or hustling in the case of Charlie, to find out the trustee of his inheritance. His findings lead him to an institution that cares for the developmentally challenged. He meets with Dr. Bruner, played by Gerald Mullen, who sheds some light on the situation. Whatever this is, I don't understand the point of secrecy. I mean, this patient is an old girlfriend of my father's. Mr. Babbitt, I knew your father since you were two years old. The year my mother died. Look, I'm trustee of the fund, but this hospital receives nothing from that. That hardly seems fair. Maybe that's something that we could discuss. I took on this burden out of loyalty to your father. That's where my loyalty ends. And you think I should feel a little of that loyalty? I think you feel cheated out of your birthright by a man who had difficulty showing love. And I think if... I were in your shoes, I'd probably feel the same. 
Now, I was hoping that we could talk, that you would explain my father's side of it, help me understand the right and what he's done, because failing that, I have responsibilities of my own, and they have to be met, even if that means a fight. I'm sorry, this is not your car, it's my boyfriend's. Yeah, my dad lets me drive slow on the driveway. I'm an excellent driver. But are you sure that you drive this car? Of course, only 28 miles on the odometer since I drove it a week ago last Saturday. Should be more than 28 miles. Look, my boyfriend is coming. Of course, today's Monday. I, I, I always drive the car on Saturday. I never drive on Monday. What is this? Who is this guy? I don't know. She jumped into the car. Yeah, we can jump out. I'm an excellent driver. Yeah, that's good. Come on, come on. Why'd you, why'd you let him get in this car? He's not a he, toy. He says he drives this car. Dad lets me drive slow on the driveway every Saturday. Of course, the seats were originally brown leather. Now they're pitiful red. You know, these seats were brown leather. You know this car? I know this car. How do you know this car? Definitely know this car. It's 1949 Buick Roadmasters, straight eight, Fireball eight. Only 8,095 production models. Dad lets me drive slow on a driveway, but not on Monday. Definitely not on Monday. Who's your dad? Sanford Babbitt. Who? Sanford Babbitt? 10961 Beechcrest Street, Cincinnati, Ohio. That's my address. I mean, what is it with this guy? Hey, who's your mother? Eleanor Babbitt. Eleanor? Died January 5th, 1965 after a short... Who the hell are illness. you? Uh-oh. Huh? Hold on, wait a second. Where are you going? 13 minutes of Dutch Wapner, the people's court. Hold on, wait a second here. I want to ask you a question. But you're a witness against the real participants are not active. Hey, I'm talking to you. Casey Penny, California. Bruner. Court. Well, Who is this guy? Raymond is your brother. Now there's a dispute settled here on the forum. People's court. My brother? I, I don't have a brother. Mr. Court case and have a dispute settled here on our forum. The people's court. Da -da -da -da. People's court. Da -da -da -da. If you're Charlie, as much of a jerk he can be, that's a lot to take in at once. His estranged father had just died. You learn about the complications of the large estate. And then to top it off, he discovers he's had a brother he's never known about. In this one scene, it also sets the tone of Dustin Hoffman being simply perfect in every scene he appears during the film. You just can't wait to see what he'll say or do in a situation playing Raymond. I'm sure the film also did wonders for the ratings of The People's Court. The People's Court. Hello, I'm Doug Llewellyn, and welcome to The People's Court. This is the case... Wait, is he crazy? No. Is he retarded? Not exactly. Well, he's not crazy, he's not retarded, but he's here. Well, he's an autistic savant. I don't know what that means. Well, some people like him used to be called idiot savants. They have certain deficiencies, certain abilities. Yeah, but he's retarded. Autistic. Actually, high-functioning. What does that mean? Well, it means that the, there's a disability that impairs the sensory input and in how it's processed. English here, we're talking over my head. Well, Raymond has a problem communicating and learning. He can't even express himself or probably even understand his own emotions in a traditional way. With the clipboard. Oh, and a... after that, the dog bit him. I yelled at my dog. The dog laid down. Uh, there are dangers everywhere for Raymond. Routines, rituals, it's uh, all he has to protect himself. Yeah. Rituals, that's, that's a good one. That's, well, it's the way he acts, sleeps, eats, uses the bathroom, walks, talks, everything. Any break from the routines, and it's terrifying. How long has he been here? Well, let's see, I came here in 1960. No, how old is he? Well, he was 18 or 20 then, and I'd have to check the record. And you've been here that long? That's when I actually started. Okay, so that's uh, 65, 75, 85, I guess. I was almost three years old, and you knew he had a brother. You knew I was his brother. Yes, but what's the point? 
What's the point? What's the fucking point? Is why didn't anybody tell me I had a brother? What would you have done about it? I don't know. Does he know how much money he's been with? No, he doesn't understand the concept of money. He doesn't understand the concept of money. He's just inherited three million dollars. He doesn't understand the concept of money. <laughs> That's fucking poetic, don't you think? Good old dad. Well, Stanley's yes, then who's playing first? Yes, I mean the fellow's name on first base. Who? The fellow playing first base for St. Louis. Who? What are you asking me for? What is this? Why is he doing that? Who is on first? Whenever he gets nervous, he does who's on first. You know, from Abbott and Costello? Yeah, why? Why? It's his way of dealing with you touching things. His books and stuff. So he memorized who's on first. Yeah, that among other things. Raymond, Ted Kluzewski. 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 Kluzewski, Ted Kluzewski. Big clue, first base. For of course, of course, he was trade for Defondi, 1957, lifetime batting average, 298. Big books, big, he big, reads, big, big huh? Clue. Reads and remembers big whatever he gets his hands on. Paul, 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 oh, Vern, V E R N. Of course, of course, these people are gonna be here all day, Vern. This is an unannounced visit, Vern. This is this is this, this is definitely not a weekend visit, Vern. He's getting anxious. Oh, it's okay, oh, Ray. Vern. Oh, 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 this is an unannounced visit, Vern. Put it back. He said not to touch the books. Not to touch books. You like Shakespeare, Ray? I don't know. <laughs> Did you read all this? I don't know. You don't know? Vern. Did you read Macbeth? I don't know, Vern. You read Hamlet? I don't know, Vern. Read The Twelfth Night? Stop it. Yes. 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 You read all these stories that are in this book, and you don't know if you read the book. I don't know if you're in. You don't know. Maybe you better put it back. You don't know. Okay, no, Ray, Ray, take it easy. I'm not gonna... I won't touch anything else, Ray. Just... It's okay, Ray. It's okay, come on. My main man. Yeah, Vern, my main man. My main man, Vern. It's okay, Ray. Yeah. My main man. Yeah, my main man. Here. Here, here's your cards. I'm sorry, I didn't know where you wanted me to put. Are, are you taking any prescription medication? <laughs> He likes you. That's just his way of showing it. Uh-oh. When I touched him before, he pulled away. Nah, don't take it personal. He never touched me. I'm closer to him than anybody in the world. Known him for nine years. It's not in him. <laughs> if I left down tomorrow and didn't say uh -oh. goodbye, he'd never notice. He wouldn't notice if you lived. I'm not sure, but I don't think people are his first priority. Hey, Ray. Hey, Ray, you want to go take a walk? Hmm? Ray? Ray? Can, uh, can he hear us when he's like that? Hey, man, you want to show your brother your ducks? Of course, it's 27 minutes of Jeopardy. Don't worry, Ray, we'll bring you right back. Pra pra practically 26 minutes of Jeopardy. We'll bring him right back. 26 minutes of Jeopardy. I think one of the frustrating things about the Charlie character is the initial lack of empathy he has towards Raymond and his trades. Now look, nobody can understand what it's like to be in the mind of Raymond or someone that has autism. But Charlie's arrogance of not respecting the routines or the specific items that Raymond has and needs kind of shows the type of person that Charlie is early on in this film. So Charlie goes on a walk with Raymond to watch the ducks in a pond. I won't do it. First, first of all, because of your this tone of voice, this commanding, commanding. You're, you're upset. And just calm down. Look, at Raymond, I'm just. I'm going to talk to Susanna alone. Susanna, just hold on. Okay, well, I'll, I'll be right back. Just no, just stay. Just stay there. No, Raymond, 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 Raymond. Just stay there. Just stand still. 
Okay? That's that's good. Okay, I'll do it if you tell me why. Why do I do uh What? Why do I have to take the car and go down there and wait for you again at the gate? I've been waiting for you for days. No. Why? It's for Raymond. The car disturbs him. That's why. That's why. Okay, Raymond. What are you looking at, Ray? Ray, the ducks are over here. What are you looking at? I don't know. Listen, my father died. You know that he died last week? Did they tell you that? I don't know. You don't know if they told you or you don't know what dead is? That means he's he's gone. He's not with us anymore. He's at the cemetery. You wanna you wanna go see him at the cemetery, Ray? I don't know. Does that mean maybe? Does that mean maybe you wanna go? I don't know. You know, I live in Los Angeles. I thought maybe you go to Los Angeles, like to see a Dodger game. Go, go see the go see the Dodgers play. Today's an off day. Oh, we don't have to go today. Monday, no game schedule. Just thought maybe you'd like to go to Los Angeles with me, you know, go see Fernando Valenzuela pitch. Fernando Valenzuela pitch Saturday, not scheduled to pitch till Wednesday. He's going to pitch on Wednesday? Wednesday. Well, I'm not doing anything on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Let's go to L.A. Yeah. Come on, Ray. Of course, of course, there's a long way to California, and I'm definitely, definitely not supposed to be off the grounds for more than two hours. Definitely have to be back in two hours. Well, wait till you get there. The people, the crowds cheering. I have to be back in two hours. And just like that, Charlie effectively kidnaps Raymond. And Susanna isn't thrilled about this. Now, I love that Raymond knew exactly the schedule for not only the Los Angeles Dodgers, but when Fernando Valenzuela was pitching. Anyone who's a hardcore baseball fan could appreciate this type of memory that Raymond has for these details. They check into a hotel, and Raymond is uncomfortable being in a new place, especially when his routines have been affected after spending essentially his entire life at the institution. There's a presidential suite. Dinner's at 6.30 p.m. And to the left is Raymond's room. Look at this big, beautiful room. All right. right. It's not my room. This is definitely not my room. It's just for tonight, right? I have to go back to Walbrook Whoa, 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 whoa. Little guy, little guy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. This is going to be terrific. Yeah. We're brothers. Dr. Burton wants to spend time together. We're going to have some fun. What did he say? He said that. Of course, I don't have my tapioca pudding. We have tapioca pudding for dessert. Yeah, well, yeah. we can do that. We can work tapioca pudding. I'm going to call Lenny. Of course, mm. Chris, it's definitely not my room, and I don't have my tapioca pudding, and the bed's in the wrong place. That's not, definitely not my bed. If you like it there, you can move it. Why do you want the bed? It should, should be near the window. Yeah. Of course, I, I don't have my books. And, uh, okay. Because there are no bookshelves. I, I'm definitely... No books? Out of books. I'm, I'm going I'm to be bookless. Oh, here's a book. Yeah. Big telephone book, huh? A lot of words. Yeah. Lenny. Pick up, will you, Lenny? I got $200,000 about to go in a shithouse, and he doesn't want to answer the phone. What is it? Six here, that means it's nine there, huh, Susanna? No, there, it's huh? three there. 6.30 p.m. is dinner. It's three there. Definitely 6.30. It's three o'clock. He doesn't want to answer the phone? Orange soda. Has to be in a camera. Brewer told you that you should do this? Huh? It doesn't make sense to me. I know what's good for him. Oh, V-E-R-N. Oh, God. Go see, go see what he's doing, will you? Ray? V-E-R-N. Home. What home. is it, Ray? Huh? What's happening, Holmes? Uh-oh. Fine. 
Everything's fine. Charlie, let's take him home. Come on. No, he's okay. Just get him some dinner. He'll be all right. What'd you say? You wanted hamburger? Hamburger, Ray, huh? Because we have pepperoni pizza Monday night for dinner. Pizza? You got pizza in the institution? Of course, Monday night's Italian night. Yeah, give me through this Charlie Babbitt call. I'm sorry, he's not here. Where is he? I got a bit of a legal problem here. All right, I'll call him tomorrow. Definitely not. Yes, but we can watch TV here. We can. We're yeah. allowed. Yeah. Wheel of fortune. Look at this studio filled with glamorous merchandise. Fabulous and exciting bonus prizes. A pair of cars for today's busy couple. Thousands of dollars in cash, over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars just waiting to be won as we present our big bonanza of cash on Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, Rosa, Rosa, Sweet 21, I'd like to order a, a large pizza. Well, pepperoni, right? No, I don't want pepperoni. Uh, yeah, that's right, large pepperoni, huh? How long is it gonna take? <coughs> well, bring some beer out for two and uh, orange soda. Tapioca pudding, you got tapioca pudding? Well, just bring the closest thing. All right, all right. Here, Ray, yeah. take this and food is coming yeah. right, shortly. Yeah. And I'll be right back. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to be here for a long time, a very long time. I'm gone for good. I'm gone for good for because of his fondness of television and his favorite shows, Raymond is able to relax a bit in a new place. However, when he hears moaning coming from the other room, it's such a priceless scene as he mimics the sounds he hears, which of course is Susanna and Charlie in the middle of having sex. It's just like a kid hearing or seeing things for the first time. Raymond ends up getting distracted by the television in the room and then sits on the edge of the bed. And typical for Charlie, instead of seeing the humor of the situation, he gets pissed and yells at Raymond. Susanna, on the other hand, is reasonable and tells him to stop and go talk to Raymond since he has no idea what's going on. Charlie, Charlie Babbitt. Well, get out! Get out! Go! Stop it! Uh-oh. Jesus Stop Christ! Stop it! Go in there with him. Come on, Charlie, go what? in there. He's your brother. Why? He's afraid. He doesn't understand this. Come on. Go in there. Raymond, what were you doing in my room? Hmm? Raymond, Raymond, what were you doing in my room? I don't know. You don't know what you were doing in my room. Of course, there were noises. There were noises. Well, those noises are none of your business. You understand that? Huh? Put the phone book down. Stop acting like an idiot and go to sleep. Hey, you hear what I said? Go to sleep. Go to sleep! Of course, it's 9 minutes to 11. Night's out at 11. Yeah, well, new rules. 
Again, Charlie is a complete asshole and so self-centered, it's almost angering to watch. Ah, you hmm? don't listen to me. You don't listen to me. This is... What? This... What are you talking about? I asked you to go there and apologize. Huh? You went there and you insulted him again. What am I supposed to do, Tucker? Man, I'm not his mother, for Christ's sake. Charlie, you're his brother. His brother. They tell you today for the first time that you have a brother. And I don't see in your Let's face one little reaction. I'm not saying joy. I'm saying something. Let's take it easy. You don't know what I'm going through here. No, I don't know what you're going through. What are you going through? Because I don't know. Because you don't tell me anything. You just give me lies. Lies, lies, lies. Lies, yes. lies, lies. What, what lies? What lies? This thing that Dr. Bruno asked you to bring huh? him here, this is bullshit. I know it's not true. So why don't you tell me why, why is he here? Because I'm pissed at him. At all? Uh, at my father. You piss at your father and you ring Raymond here. Why? I don't know why, because I got him and they want him. This makes no sense. Raymond was left all the money and I got nothing. How much? Three million dollars the inheritance, every penny of it. So? So I'm going to keep him till I get my half. I deserve that. What is this? Huh? Susanna. Just take it easy here. What? You've had enough? What does that mean, you've had enough? I just had enough. I'm leaving. You're leaving? Yes. You're leaving me now? I need you. I need what? you now. You need nobody. What does that mean? What? Just take it easy. Just, what is my crime here? Huh? Crime what is, is my goddamn crime? You're useful. You're using Raymond. You're using me. You use everybody. I'm using Raymond. Raymond! Raymond, am I using you? Am I using you, Raymond? Yeah. Shut up! He is answering a question from a half hour ago! What good is $3 million to him? That money is only just gonna sit there for the rest of his yeah. life, and I need that money. You know I need that yeah, money. You need them, so it's hardly like stealing, no? And when it's over, what happens to Raymond? Well, he'll go back to Walbrook or a better place. No, with the money, I will put him in a better place. What difference does it make? He is gonna be just the same. Only you have his money. His money. Yeah. His money. That man was my father, too. What about my fucking half? Where is my fucking half? You I'm entitled give... to that money, goddamn. You kidnapped this man. I did not you take know. him. Yes, you did. I did not take him. I took my half. Chub, you're crazy. Yeah, it runs in the family. What? You're wet. Soaking wet and you're going to leave in the middle of the night. Would you just, just wait? My father has stuck it to me all my life. And what do you want from me? What do you want from Out. me? With Susanna now gone, Charlie takes Raymond to a diner the next morning. First, yeah. you pay off the first place. Sometimes his wife comes down close. Stop it. Good morning. Coffee? Yes, Sammy Good. Sally Tips, Tips Sally. 4610-0192. How did you know my phone number? How'd you know that? You said read the telephone book last night. Tips Sally. 4610-0192. He uh, remembers things, little things sometimes. Very clever, boys. I'll be right back. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? I don't know. You memorize the whole book? No. You start from the beginning? Yeah. How far'd you get? G. G? G, God's sake, William Marsh, God's sake. You memorized G. Yeah, G. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. G, half a G. That's good, Ray. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 
me hungry? Yeah, Tuesday we have pancakes. Pancakes? Well, yeah. that sounds good. We'll this get some pancakes. Maple syrup. Yeah, you bet your butt. Bet your butt. Uh-oh. We got pancakes. Uh-oh. Of course, I... What is this, Ray? I... Of course, I don't have my toothpicks. No. You don't need toothpicks. I was okay in the hotel last night with the pizza, but in a restaurant, you need a fork. Of course, I don't have my toothpicks. You don't need toothpicks, Ray. The pancakes keep sliding off. You're gonna eat with a fork. I don't have my maple syrup, either. I'm gonna be without my maple syrup and my, and my toothpicks. You don't see any pancakes, do you, Ray? Yeah. Of course, yeah. Thomas' maple syrup is not here. Ray, when we order the pancakes, they're gonna bring the maple syrup. Maple syrup is supposed to be on the table before the pancakes. We haven't ordered yet, Ray. And of course, when they bring the maple syrup after the pancakes, it'll definitely be too late. How is that going to be too late, huh, Ray? We haven't ordered the pancakes yet. How is that going to be? Too We're going to be here the entire morning with no with no maple syrup and, and and no and no toothpicks. I'm definitely definitely not going to not going to have my, my my pancakes with with. Uh, Ow! Don't make a scene. Ow! Stop acting like a fucking retard. Uh oh. What is this? What are you writing? What is it? What the fuck is this? Uh, uh, serious, serious injury yeah. to this? Charlie Babbitt? Yeah. Serious injury yeah. to this? Are you fucking kidding me? Not, not, number, not, 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 number 18 in 1988. Squeezed and pulled and hurt my neck in 1988. Squeezed and pulled and hurt your neck in 1988. Dr. Brennan, it's Charlie Babbitt. Where are you, son? It's not important. What matters is who I'm with. You have to bring him back, Mr. Babbitt. Do you understand me? It's no problem whatsoever. It'll be $1.5 million. I'm not greedy. Uh, I just want my half. Raymond, don't, don't touch that. It's dirty. I can't do that, Mr. Babbitt. You know I can't. Just bring him back and bring him back now. This is where he belongs. Well, I'm his brother. It's, uh, it's not like kidnapping here, is it? He's always been a voluntary patient here, but that's beside the point. The fact of the matter is, this is where he can get the best care. We're talking about his well-being. Yeah, yeah, let's just let's just cut through the bullshit, okay? Now I am entitled to part of my father's estate. If you don't want to cut a deal with me, I'll fly him back to Los Angeles. We'll stick him in an institution out there, and we can we can have a a, a custody battle over him. Uh, miss, Miss, he needs toothpicks. Could you help him and get him some toothpicks? Thank you very much. Now you want to battle me in the courts? Think about that, Doctor Brunner. Think about that, or we can we can cut a deal right now. I don't think you have any idea of the severity of Raymond's Toothpicks. He needs some toothpicks. Can we just get him some toothpicks over here? And I can't under any circumstances make any money deals with you. Then I'll see you in court. Another check. Sorry about the toothpicks. 82, 82, 82. 82 what, Ray? How much is this? Toothpicks. It's a lot more than 82 toothpicks, right? Of course. 200. 46 total. The change. Ray, how many toothpicks are you? Um, 250. Pretty close. Come on, let's go, Ray. 246. There's four left in the box. And it's the surprising traits like this that makes Raymond so fascinating. He's not quote-unquote normal by any societal standards, but he has the gifts that quote-unquote normal people simply don't possess. However, Raymond can't function on his own and do everyday routine things. 
and Raymond is one of the few people that Charlie can't con because Raymond won't change, which frustrates Charlie beyond belief. And by the way, the waitress in that restaurant scene was played by Bonnie Hunt in her film debut. Now, even though Raymond is sweet and harmless and can't help how his brain works differently, that doesn't mean that his quirks wouldn't be annoying to even the most patient person. 97X, the future of rock and roll. 97X, band, the future of rock and roll. 97X, band, the future of rock and roll. 7 the future of rock and roll. Ray, 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 enough already. Change the the future of rock and roll. 97 the future of Charlie and Raymond go to the airport for their flight to Los Angeles, but little does Charlie know about the airline they're going to take for the flight and the dangers of air travel in general. So Raymond decides to cool him in. Lenny, 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 I don't care what you think. Did they say that? You're going to have to be a lot more forceful with them. Lenny, are you? Lenny, listen, Lenny, Lenny, shut up a moment here. I am in serious trouble here. I can't get to these cars. I can't get the money. Do you understand that? My loan is past due. Look, I'll call the loan officer. Lenny. Lenny, just, just listen to me. I'll be in LAX in three hours, okay? Now remember, the Buick is an A3 main terminal. Make sure they pick it up. All right, well, right, we'll see you in a few. There's an airplane out there. Yeah, that's right, and everybody's boarding. Let's go. Airline travel's very dangerous. But don't be silly. It's the safest travel in the world. You're gonna love this. Trust me. Yeah. Now, come on. Oh, no. Ray? Yeah? We're in an airport. People yeah. fly out of airports. What do you think we were doing here this whole time? Yeah, flying's very dangerous. 1987, there were 30 airline accidents. 211 were fatalities. And 231 were death and passengers. Yeah, well, this plane is very safe. Believe yeah. me. Now, I gotta get to LA and I don't have time for shit. Yeah. Come on. Oh, I, 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 don't I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. You don't know? No. What, is it this airline? Yeah. Is it it this airline? Yeah. Okay, fine. We can, uh, there's there's an American plane. American Flight 625 crashed April 27th, 1976. We don't have to take American. There's a a lot of flights. Yeah, take another airline. Continental. Continental crashed November 15th, 1987. Flight 1713, 28 casualties. This is very serious, Ray. Yeah, very serious. You see, I have to get to Los Angeles, right? So you're gonna get on that plane. You understand me? Yeah. You're gonna have to get on a plane. Yeah, get on a plane. Yeah. Now there's a, there's a Delta. Yeah. Delta, I mean, it leaves at midnight, Ray, you know, but Delta, how's Delta? The Delta crashed August 2nd, 1985, Lockheed L-1011. Dallas, Fort Worth, right, terrible winds. All airlines, 135. All passengers. All airlines have crashed at one time yeah. or another. That doesn't mean that they are not safe. Qantas. What, Qantas? Qantas never crashed. Qantas? Never crashed. Well, that's. Never crashed. 
I mean, that's gonna do me a lot of good, Ray. Yeah. You see, Qantas doesn't fly to L.A. out of Cincinnati. You have got to get to Melbourne. Australia. Melbourne, Australia, in yeah. order to get the plane that flies to Los Angeles. Yeah. Do you hear me? Canberra's a capital. 16.2 million population. It's very Don't lovely beach. You and I are gonna get on this fucking plane. Right? No, no. We're not going to take the plane. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. We're not going to take the plane. Just, just, just relax. He was, yeah. he was upset. We were going to take the plane. We're not going to take the plane now. We're not going to take the plane, right? We're not going to fly. Okay? No flying. We're not going to fly. No flying. You tire me, right? Yeah. We're going to drive to Los Angeles. We're going to drive to LA. Okay? Come on, right? Right? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Here. No flying. Take the bag. We're not going to take the plane, right? Just yeah. grab the fucking bag. No flying. You're killing me, Ray. I just want you to know you are killing me, man. No flying. I got to be in LA in three hours. It's going to take me three days. Come on. Come on. No flying. No flying. No flying. Of course, I got Jeffrey to get five o'clock. I'll watch Jeopardy. Don't start with that, Ray. Don't start Jeopardy with that. at 5 o'clock. So Raymond definitely has the ability to get his own way, whether he realizes what he's doing or not. So no flying, even though it's far safer than driving cross-country. I guess Raymond didn't read the driving statistics. Well, Raymond gets some first-hand knowledge about the dangers of driving when they're stuck in traffic after a serious car accident. Raymond panics and gets out of the car and walks around the accident scene on the highway, which is not good, obviously. Raymond ends up walking on the side of the highway and is eventually picked up by Charlie on a quote-unquote safer road. All the while, Raymond recites who's on first because that's what he does when he's anxious or nervous. Because Raymond has to be in bed by 11 p.m., they stop at a small motel for the night in Missouri. However, the next morning it's raining and Raymond won't go out if it rains. And it's in this scene that makes this film so wonderful. The plot is basic, but it's the side vignettes that are great. For example, Raymond will only eat whatever food is normally served to him on specific days. That's why they had pizza on Monday and pancakes on Tuesday. So for Wednesday, for lunch, he needs to eat fish sticks, which isn't super easy to find, but Charlie does it for Raymond. But there's only four sticks, so Charlie quickly solves the problem by cutting them in half. During this rainy hotel stay, Charlie discovers that he can actually get legal custody of Raymond since the doctor at the institution doesn't actually have custody, and it wasn't something that Charlie's father ever set up. But he didn't expect Charlie to take his own brother Ransom for his inheritance, so that's Charlie's play. If he has custody, he'll be in control of all the estate money. After the rain stops, it's back on the road, and Raymond informs Charlie he's an excellent driver, along with his undergarment preference. Would you look at that? 1957 Studebaker Golden Hawk. Zero to 60 in under eight seconds. 275 supercharged horsepower into that hood. That's beautiful. Of course, I'm an excellent driver. You know how to drive? Yeah. When did you drive? Of course, I drove the Buick on the driveway when my dad came to Walbrook. Is dad in the car? Is dad in the car, right? Yeah. Did he let you drive the Buick? Yeah, slow on the driveway. Well, I'll have to let you drive sometime. Raymond, Raymond! You never, never touch the steering wheel when I'm driving. Do you hear me? Yeah. Do you hear me? Of course, I don't have my underwear. What? I'm definitely not wearing my underwear. What are you talking about? I gave you a fresh pair of mine this morning. No, not my underwear. Where I told you to go in the bathroom and put them on. Where are they? Of course, they're in the 
pocket my jacket. Where? Here. Are these, these are too tight. I don't want them that great. These are not boxer shorts. Mine are boxer shorts. Well, what's the difference? These are Hanes 32. Right? These are Hanes 32. My boxer shorts have my name and it says Rain. Well, all right, all right. When we pass the store, we'll pick you up a pair of boxer There's, shorts. I get my boxer shorts at Kmart in Cincinnati. We're not going back to Cincinnati. We're just going to start with that. 400 Oak Street. We're not going back to Cincinnati. You don't have to go to Cincinnati to pick up boxer shorts. That's yeah, Oak and Burnett in Cincinnati. What did I say? It's Kmart. What I, you hear me. I know you hear me. My boxer shorts. You don't fool my... me with this shit for a second. Yours are too tight. Ray, did you fucking hear what I said? Shut up! Yeah. Cincinnati's a long way off. But you're getting further away from Kmart. You don't have to go to Cincinnati to get a pair of underwear at Kmart. You have to go to Kmart, 400 Oak Street. But I tell you, Ray, we are not going to Cincinnati, and that's final. Get my boxer shorts at Kmart. Raymond, that is final. Did you hear me? I'm going to be short. Somewhere. Boxer shorts. Boxer shorts. Hey, Mark. These are Haynes 32. My, driving me crazy. Mine are boxer shorts. We're gonna have to make a little stop. Find a psychiatrist. Yeah, you're you're driving back. Open Burnett. We have to buy them back in Haymarket. Open Burnett. We have to buy them back in. Uh oh. Put your, put your shorts are on the highway. Let's go back to Cincinnati. Kmart. As a kid, that was my favorite scene by far. I mean, everything from boxer shorts in Cincinnati to the mantra of Kmart, it, it was often quoted by me and my friends. The way that Tom Cruise just loses it is so priceless. It's like a master comedy duo in the last scene. But it's also a key scene because Charlie might finally discover that no matter how angry he gets or how much he screams at Raymond, it won't change Raymond's trades. So Charlie decides to stop in a small town in Oklahoma to see if he can meet with a psychiatrist to help with Raymond. He parks and goes to a phone booth, leaving Raymond in the car alone, which is never a good idea. Good luck trying to find a shrink in this town.
Hey, buddy. Hey, you. You're going to get run over. Hey, hey, hey. You're going to get hurt. Come on. Hey, you. Hey, you hear me? Hey, hey. Move it. Move it. Hey, hey. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right, sir. I'm sorry. He's mad at the... Raymond? Yeah. Raymond, come on. Yeah, oh, come on. Okay. It's all right. Gotta get to Kmart. Gotta get to Kmart. Raymond, Raymond, right. Raymond, 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 come on. Kmart. 400 Oak Street. Yes. It said don't walk. Yes, it's broken. It said don't walk. Great, great. Let's get to Kmart. Yeah. 400 Oak and Burnett. Oak and Burnett. Raymond followed the signs that said walk, then don't walk but he doesn't realize that he stopped in the middle of the road with oncoming traffic because he has no sense of his surroundings. This is why he has been kept in a place where he knows the same routines and he's safe. It keeps him safe. What Charlie doesn't realize by simply going to any sort of general doctor is that in many medical professionals at the time, they didn't have the widespread expertise about autism. This is why Raymond was living in a specific place that understood his condition. Like the nurse questioning if Raymond is artistic, so young man, go west, go west, and this is the way our country developed, from the east coast to the west coast. During that period of time, there was initiated a, um, what was known as a Pony Express. I'm sure all of you have read something about it in the history of the United States. I may not have the days exactly right or the years, but I, I'm more or less familiar with the history of the United States. And I love to tell a story. He's artistic. No, he's autistic. And it was initiated. I'm not it, familiar it, it, with that. Uh, what is the exact nature of the problem? He, uh, he lives in a world of his own. I'm sorry, but what's wrong with him? It was a problem to get the mail from the east. Raymond, do a little of your what's on first. Who's on first, what's on second. Huh? And... They, they set up an uh, initial program where a Pony's Express would, would ride for pro approximately 20 miles. Yes. Well, what am I supposed to do? There's got to be something that I can do here. Well, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I do know that his brain doesn't work like other people. And what he does isn't intended to be annoying. If he's getting on your nerves, you just take a break. Spend some time away from him. Sure, I'll just send him back. Sorry? No, it's just it's inside jokes. You're telling me I just have to deal with this stuff. Is that it? I just, uh, I just got to deal with this stuff. Yeah, that's about it. Out of curiosity, does he have any special abilities? Well, I mean, he's got a pretty good memory. He, can, uh, he counts toothpicks. Huh? Toothpicks. They spilled a box of toothpicks on the floor, and they took one look at him and knew exactly how many, how many count them, seconds. Huh. Right. Raymond? Yeah? Are you good with numbers? Yeah. I read about this. I'm gonna try something here. Kmart 400 Oak Street. What did I tell you after this, Ray? Yeah. After this. Ray, can we try something? Yeah. Do you know how much 312 times 123 is? 38376. He's right. What? He's right. He's right? Yeah. Ray, how much is 4,343 times 1,234. 5359262. Five, nine, two. He's a genius. That's right. He's a genius. Ray, do you know how much the square root of 2,130 is? 46.1519204. 2304. That's amazing. I mean, that is amazing. He should work for NASA or something like that. If you had a dollar, 
and you spent 50 cents, how much money would you have left? About 70. 70 cents? 70 cents. So much for the NASA idea? Kmart. Go, go, go to Kmart. Right, this right. 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 Four, 400 Oak Street. Right. Do you know how much a candy bar costs? About $100. $100, huh? Yeah. You know how much one of those new compact cars costs? About $100. In his particular case, he's pretty well off. He's very high functioning. Most autistics, they can't speak or they can't communicate. Right. Yeah. Do you know what autistic is? Yeah. You know that word? Yeah. Are you autistic? I don't think so. No. Definitely not. So that elderly man in the waiting room who talks on and on about the Pony Express is Byron P. Kavnar. He was an 89-year-old local who was in the waiting room when the crew arrived to film there. He got to talking about his favorite subject, the Pony Express, and Barry Levinson got such a kick out of it that he left Kavnar keep on talking and the cameras rolled. All of his dialogue was spontaneous and not scripted. After leaving the doctor's office, it's back on the road, and Charlie makes sure not to leave Raymond alone again when he stops at another phone booth. But then there's complications with that, along with the fact that Raymond can never miss Judge Wapner on the television. No, Lenny, just, just shut up a second. Let me see if I understand this. Very small. Yeah. That's going to cost me $10,000 additional for each car. Well, it's very crowded. Is that right? Just, crowded please, just one, one little second, okay? Yeah. Huh? What? Yeah, well, they want to take out the manifold and the carburetors in order to put in a fuel injection system now? I mean, that is nonsense. This is bullshit. What are you doing? Too what are you crowded doing? in here well, just, for a just, just leave this on. Very crowded. Oh, yeah, it's going to cost me $40,000 just to meet EPA now. I, what, what? No, no, no. No, no. You give me the number. Okay. Give me the number and I'm going to call the conversion shop. That's my pen and that's, that's definitely my book. Well, taking your book is not serious injury. It's a serious injury. Look at a red book. That book is blue. Well, forgive me. I lost my secret decoder ring. For sure. Already number 18. I got it. 1988. 1988. Because that's my book. That's my pen. Uh-oh. 12 minutes to Wapner. It's definitely very small here. Small yeah. and safe. Yeah, you don't want to miss the party. thing is real. You know that? There's a party in your honor, Ray. When we get to L.A., a little custody hearing. My lawyer's setting it up right now. You know why there's a party for you? Because you're the three million dollar man. You are witnessing and that real. Uh, Ken Eldor. Charlie bad. Babbitt. Uh-oh, fart. Yeah, Charlie Babbitt, I'll uh -oh, hold. Fart. Did you fart, Ray? Fart. Did you fucking fart? Fart. Oh, man. How can you stand that? I don't mind yeah. it. How can you stand it? Yeah, Ken? Ten minutes to walk. Ken, hey, how are you? Yeah, it's Charlie Babbitt. We're definitely lost. I just heard about this uh, TV and uh, $10,000 oh, charge for a car. Start, yeah, the, the, huh? I mean, how can this be? How can this possibly court, happen right now? People's court starts on uh, You know, you're telling me you're paying $40,000. They start on a button. It huh? definitely start on a button. Ken, I got a problem here. I'm going to have to call you back for my next stop, okay? Yeah, my next stop. I'm not going to make it to the program. Yeah, definitely have to Yes, we're going, Ray. Just take it easy. Just take it easy. Where am I going to find a television room? Got eight minutes to walk. Come on, come on. Now you want to get in there and see the show, huh? Huh? Raymond, want to get in there and see the show? Then listen up. Got another farmhouse in sight. This is it, man. 
You act weird, we don't get in. Listen to me? Yeah. I want you to look normal. As normal as possible, all right? Look, just put your, Raymond, put your hands down. Go walk and moan. Four minutes Go, to walk. Just shut up, her. Raymond. Just shut up and stand there. Yeah. Uh, Raymond, don't walk yeah. and moan. Yeah. Good afternoon, ma'am. I'm Donald Clemens from the A.C. Nielsen Company. You're familiar with our work? Nielsen, uh, you mean the TV radio? Yes, ma'am, that's exactly it. Now, you've been selected as a preliminary candidate to become our next Nielsen family in the Tri-County area. Well, my husband's not... If selected, you'll share the responsibility for shaping television programming viewed by our entire nation, in return for which you'll receive a check uh, in, in the amount of $286 each month. Who's he? That 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 would be my partner, Mr. Bainbridge, who does the sample. That's it. Oh boy. That's it. You blew it. You don't get to see your program. It's finished. One minute to Wapner. One minute to Wapner. One minute to Wapner. One minute to Wapner. You. I had you in there, Ray. You were in there. You had it all. They are in there making legal history, Ray. Legal history. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm sorry, ma'am. I like you. I'm very sorry about that. That man right there is my brother. And if he doesn't get to watch people's corn in about 30 seconds, he's going to throw a fit right here in your porch. Now you can help me, or you can stand there and watch it happen. Well, we like to watch cartoons. You think he'd settle for that? And she sees an identical twin. True, he didn't have a shirt on. The other one did. But they sure look alike to me. Honey, if he got on his chest, like needle in the dirty bird, and got real cold, I know Daddy's I put my hand on the dry ice up here. I wanted to take it off very quickly because it got very cold. I, I also confess I was afraid I might burn my hands. Work with me on this one and believe me, I am going to take care of this. I don't think she did anything that was negligent. So my question is for you. We'll be back for the reaction of our decision right after these messages. Thankfully, the Midwest hospitality was in full display as they let Raymond watch the People's Court on their TV. Raymond was so blissfully unaware of the crying children because he's so hyper-focused on the show. The guys stop at another small motel for the night, and Charlie unexpectedly learns more about Raymond in his own childhood memories. Why did you say funny teeth? You said funny teeth, funny Raymond. Raymond? Yeah. I said Raymond? Yeah, funny Raymond. Was I trying to say Raymond and it came out Raymond? Yeah, funny Raymond. You? You're the Raymond? Was I there? Where was I? Where was I? You were in the window. You, you waved to me. Bye-bye, Rain Man. Bye-bye, Rain Man. So you, you, you were the one that sang to me? Yeah. 
What, 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 what did you sing? What, what, what was that song? What did you sing? What? She was just 17. And you know what I mean? And the way she looked was way beyond compare. So how could I dance with another? Ooh, I saw her standing there. Can I like it when you sing to me? Yeah. Do we sing any other songs? Do you like the Beatles? Yeah. Uh While the entire movie is filled with brilliant scenes, that last one summed up the entire film and, of course, the title. Rayman was the way that Charlie, as a toddler, would pronounce Raymond, a person that Charlie, for his whole life, thought was an imaginary friend. And though it's spoken quietly, Charlie's father, after the sudden loss of his wife, knew it could be potentially dangerous having the much older Raymond in the house with the toddler. This is why Raymond was put into an institution. Charlie finally realizes that his father wasn't the horrible person he always believed that he was. 
All right, there's about an hour left in the film and plenty of fabulous scenes, including the famous one where Charlie uses Raymond's gift of numbers and memorization to count cards in Vegas, which was perfectly parodied in The Hangover. Now look, if you haven't seen Rayman, I can't spoil the eventual outcome, including if Charlie and Susanna reunite, and where does Raymond finally end up? And will Charlie finally grow up? Or is keeping his business going more important to him, along with his giant inheritance? I will say that the ending is neither happy nor sad, at least for me. I think it's best put by Barry Levinson, who explained that it's a conclusion. Sometimes movies are just like that. And it's left up to the viewer to put their own emotion behind it. It really makes you think when you're done watching. And you know what? That's always a good thing. The movie stays with you. Just for pure acting, Rain Man is as good as it gets. Dustin Hoffman deservedly gets all of the accolades for his amazing performance. But Tom Cruise is equally as brilliant in a very difficult role. In some ways, more difficult than Hoffman's role. If you've yet to see this film, it really is a must-watch and why films can be very powerful. Rayman really introduced autism to millions of people who did not know about it. It allowed people to potentially be more empathetic in their real lives about mental disabilities. And again, when you see someone that's physically disabled, it's in front of you for you to see. For mental disabilities, it's not always clear. But before I leave you, just remember this. Charlie. Hello, Raymond. Don't you feel a little more relaxed in your favorite Kmart clothes? Tell him, Ray. Kmart sucks. I see. All right, there was a deleted scene, and that's where Raymond goes into a convenience store by himself before he ends up in the middle of the street with oncoming traffic. And the clerk is suspicious of Raymond for obvious reasons. As Raymond grabs a bag of cheese poofs and just opens them up and starts to eat them in the store. He then goes to the fridge section to get an apple juice box and opens that as well. Now, the concept of paying for anything just doesn't comprehend to him. He then opens a bag of cookies and accidentally spills them all over. Now, the clerk doesn't understand at all that Raymond isn't like other customers and attempts to hold him in the store for not paying. Raymond thinks this is like being back in the institution where he just opens up her fridge and grabs what he wants. So Charlie then races into the store and overpays the clerk for his trouble while Raymond quickly leaves the store. All right, some fun facts. So Rain Man was nominated for eight Oscars and won four. It won for Best Picture, Best Director for Levinson, Best Actor for Dustin Hoffman, and Best Screenplay. Now it lost Best Score to the Milagro Beanfield War. It lost Best Art Direction to Dangerous Liaisons. It lost Best Cinematography to Mississippi Burning. And it lost Best Film Editing to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Many feel, and I'm definitely one of them, that Tom Cruise should have at least been nominated for his role as Charlie. So the success of Rayman was not overnight. Each week after its initial release, the box office totals got better and better, and this was due to the word of mouth and people discovering how good this film was. And there's something endearing about that, a film that succeeds on its own merits, not simply due to a marketing hype machine. So back in 1989, for in-flight viewing, several airlines deleted the sequence in which Raymond reels off the statistics on airline accidents, except Qantas. They even promoted one of the movie writers to first class when he traveled on the airline. What Raymond says about Qantas was, and is still true, from 1921 to the recording of this episode, Qantas had never lost any jet airliners. However, Qantas also had eight non-jet crashes all prior to the making of the film, but they were propeller-driven planes, not jets. 
So there were other play on words and first name titles that were thought of, including Norman, like no man, but Raymond, Rayman, was the obvious winner. The initial script of Rain Man was sent to both Dustin Hoffman and Bill Murray simultaneously. However, the person who sent the script didn't designate a part for either actor. Of course, as it turned out, both wanted the part of Raymond. Hoffman had already signed on almost immediately, which meant Murray was out of luck. During filming, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise doubted the movie's potential and jokingly called it two schmucks in a car. Dennis and Randy Quaid were considered for the Charlie and Raymond roles at one point. Other people that turned down the part of Raymond, Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro, and Mel Gibson. Michael Caine has revealed that Tom Cruise's performance in Rayman was one of his personal favorites he had ever seen on film. Caine found out somewhat late in his adult life that he had a brother that he had never been told about, who had lived most of his life in a mental hospital with a debilitating diagnosis of epilepsy. And so with great sincerity, he said Tom's performance was beautifully done. He went on to say that Dustin had the showy part. Tom's required great discipline and responsibility to draw the viewer into Raymond's point of view, as well as portray the painful acceptance of the limitation of his brother's condition, really helped that level of familial intimacy. All right, I do have a special guest, and she's been on in the early episodes, and this is my coworker, Chris, who has some real-life insight about autism and some great stories to share with you. So let's talk to Chris, and then I'll be back next week to talk about yet another random movie in my DVD collection. Okay, we're back, and we have a guest that I don't think she's been on for about four or five years. I think she was on, and she actually sang a song in an early episode. Oh what was it, When I Wake Up or something like that? I put on my makeup. I think that's what oh, she said. Oh, uh, was it from the, My Best Friend's Wedding? I believe oh. so. I'm trying to remember what the episode was, but I got you to sing for whatever reason. Oh, okay. I hope you don't have me sing. No, no, I won't. <laughs> want you to, this isn't a singing type of movie, but uh, it's Chris, and so welcome back, Chris. Hello. Happy to be here again. So can you recall the first time you actually saw Rain Man? And was it, I'm assuming it was on video or um, cable or something like that? It was probably one of the streaming platforms still, like maybe a couple of years ago. Okay. So you so, yeah. you didn't see it like back in the you know late 80s, early 90s. Mm, no, I did not. No, I, so I saw it. Yeah. Was there a reason behind that? Or you just it was just one that you just missed or you weren't a Tom Cruise fan? Uh, I don't know. I just, it's usually go with by posters, right? At that time, like the eighties, the nineties, you go to a video shop and you just Mm -hmm. look at the posters and see like which ones look compelling. And probably at that time it wasn't compelling enough. And I didn't really know much about the topic or the main themes of the, of the movie. So. Well, I think what this film really introduced, um, autism to, to many people because even there's a there's a great line in the film where he uh tom cruise's character goes to a doctor it's just a general i think general practitioner in oklahoma and the nurse says he's artistic like they didn't get the difference because right. everyone thought when you say autistic they don't they don't understand so i don't think that happens as much anymore but back then in 1988 and especially in certain parts of the country um this wasn't really understood autism really wasn't understood especially autism savant so um do you the great part about this movie is it really introduced a lot of people to this now there have been some criticisms uh you know about maybe this um this particular autism that dustin hoffman had uh didn't really portray it for everyone but since it's a spectrum i still think it was a it was a good thing what what do you think now watching this do you think the movie was more of a positive or uh, towards you know the autism in general or was it 
it's just a movie. It's supposed to be some. It's supposed to be entertaining, but it also kind of educates as well. So I I, I look at the movie, and yes, I, I kind of if we're looking at it as a representative, it's really hard to represent a spectrum message. Sure. Right. So we're just doing it. At, so we're just looking at it like a single point of the spectrum, and mm-hmm. then we're looking at it at a different time period. Right. So. I think for that time period, I I feel like it was a positive thing, right? To introduce to mainstream mm-hmm. and to educate, to give some form of awareness of a different way of thinking, right? Or, yeah. But I, I generally look at it now as more of a, a story, a good story about family and brotherhood and really taking care of your family. So that's how I see it. Right. And, and kind of the evolution, it's really the evolution of Tom Cruise's character uh, about having, you know, more empathy towards not just his brother, but probably fellow man, because he really was like a, a wheel and dealer and only cared about himself in the very beginning, actually most of the film. So, you know, where uh, Dustin Hoffman's character really, he's the same the entire way through. Uh, it, he doesn't change at all. It's, it's uh, Tom Cruise that changes. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Right. It's you know how I relate to my apart from my son having autism to mm-hmm. or being autistic. Um, my, I have a daughter, so it's it's similar to like having two siblings, right? And one is born into the role of having to be the caregiver of the other two. So I I, I was very appreciative of of Tom Cruise's character evolving into that like next. That what what most parents of autistic kids would hope is for their children to just embrace the other sibling and take care of them, right? Right. But Tom Cruise, despite not having had a pre prior relationship to Dustin Hoffman, eventually towards the end of the movie, right, he does have that connection with him enough to. I feel like he will eventually take care of him, right? It didn't say that yet, but I just felt like that was going to happen. Well, at the very least, he's going to visit him, hopefully, visit, yeah. <laughs> and and try to establish something on Dustin Hoffman's terms. Because I think that's the one thing that that was great about this movie is um, sometimes you have to just do what that other person uh, can handle. Um, so to try to take Raymond and put him in situations, it, it's just not going to work. You're not going to change him in any way. So you have to evolve as a person, not the other person, because the other person can't really evolve. Right, right. And you know, it's I, I feel also like it's not that they can't evolve. I think they, they are evolving too. It's just not in in like the speed that we want them to in the way sure. that we expect them to. So, you know, sometimes people think, Oh, why like for example, I have my my son, right? Santi, like, why can't he stay still? Right? Mm-hmm. Like when you talk to him, why can't he stay still? Like he keeps walking around you while you're talking to him, but that is his way of regulating. So for him, he's already adjusted because he's already trying to get the conversation going with you. Right. Maybe he does want to do something else, but he wants to, you know, so, keep that conversation with you. But, you know, he's adjusting that whole way. And for us, it's like, but you are not still, but he's already adjusting. So we don't see that. So like for, for Raymond, for Dustin Hoffman, his calming effect when he's like nervous or anxious was to do the, the Abbott and Costello routine. Who's on first, because mentally it just, it's almost like a mantra. So for Santi is one of his things that like, he likes to just like kind of like walk around or, or kind of move. And that helps him like almost calm himself. 
yes it's like he's it's like stimulating himself right so it's mm-hmm. like yeah he's walking around he that's how he i feel and maybe he'll explain it to me better but as a as a parent watching him i feel like there's so, just so much energy in him that it needs to be released somehow mm. and that's how he releases it by moving around while talking to you like there's okay. just so much yeah and you know he does other things too but so I definitely want to get more. So part of the reason I had you on was also because you do have a son that has autism. And so I, I wanted to kind of give that insight. But one more quick question about Rain Man is like, so watching it recently, um, what were some of your favorite scenes? And then what's the, you know, ha, ha, does the movie affect you more now uh, as opposed to when you first watched it? I I think it affects me more now because I do see more of the sibling relationship Every time you watch it, like you're a different person, right? So maybe it'll affect me differently again a couple of years from now when Santi's getting a little older. Sure. But to answer your question, like what a couple of scenes stand out to me. Like one is when they were at the at the casino, like after they had won so <laughs> yeah. much, and and then he wanted to date this lady, right? Yes, the the prostitute that uh, yeah yeah yeah. Him up, yeah. But he didn't, had no idea, obviously. Yeah, no idea. No, no. But what stood out to me was that uh, I, I guess there's they they need connection, right? They're mm-hmm. they're no different from us. They want to have relationships. They want to, you know, they're interested in in another person. But <laughs> I don't know, love, lust, or whatever it is, right? So mm-hmm. I think that stood out for me because I always wonder, like, how you know, will my what kind of uh relationships my son will form because i know he will want to have one and sure you know, is he gonna have one will it be successful like so it's because why can't he love to so i think that's why it it, it kind of stood out for me because sure. knowing that scene and knowing like well it's probably never gonna work out with that particular person but mm-hmm. will it ever work out for raymond i think that's what I think that's why the Susanna character was so great um, because she actually right off the bat had empathy for Raymond. They have a nice scene together, obviously in the elevator and, uh, and he, in his own way, Raymond would like kind of bond with her, even if it was right. funny, like, are you taking prescription medication? That was his yeah. way of saying, I like you. <laughs> so, yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's more of like, would you have that? Like most of us, I would hope have, have, have you know, had, the, the experience of loving someone, right? And in a more than a friendship way. So sure. I wonder if they would, like my son, for example, just my son, like, and comparing it with Raymond, like, would he have that kind of relationship? Sure. And then what was the other scene that really stood out for you? Uh, it was at the doctor's, right? So it was, you know, when ta- when uh, Raymond was uh, doing the math problems. And yes. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise's character was, well, he should join NASA or, <laughs> yeah. So, and then he, they start to ask, well, you know, how, you know how much candy costs or something like that. Right. So, and yeah, it stood out for me. Like, you know, they have a certain set of strengths, but sometimes just basic survival is really hard for some people on the spectrum. So. Right. Right. Uh- yeah. So let's get let's get into uh, your son because uh, I have I have met Santi and uh, he's been at mm-hmm. work before and so I have some like kind of fun stories uh, with him. So I think we were in a meeting and where it used to be in the office there there's a TV right by us, so it was kind of easy for him to to be uh, entertained by whatever TV uh, 
station we had on. Plus, I had a lot of kind of the the Funko figurines, and so I think he he kind of liked that. And uh, one one of the two funny stories. One, so I had to carry Funko from the movie Carrie, where she had kind of pig's blood dumped on her. <laughs> so, so he's looking at it, and he's like, "Why does she have blood on her?" I'm like, "Oh, it's just paint." And he's like, he kind of looked at me. He's like, "I don't think so." <laughs> so he, didn't, he didn't buy into that, but I think he appreciated it. So. Um, that when I got into the office the next day, I found this kind of stuffed like beanie, uh, beanie baby panda on there. And so I was like, I think Santi left this. So I went to go bring it back to you to get back to him. He's like, and so you're like, no, no, that's his way of showing that he likes you because he kind of, he left it. He didn't have, he'll, he'll never actually say that. Oh, I had a good time with you. This was his like kind of nice way of, of saying, I like yeah. you know, spending time with you, which I thought was really neat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, and he it, has a, yeah. a different way of showing his appreciation for people. Well, and I think that's great because not everyone is going to verbalize it to you, nor should they have to. And so he did it in his own way. So he obviously um, cares about about other people. And he just he just expresses it different, which I think was, was really cool. The other great story you just told me not too long ago, I'll let you tell it, about uh, he did really well in school, and so you rewarded him, and so why don't you tell me what uh, what his prize was and what he selected? So I wanted him to do, like, really good handwriting because he does have some mm, um, <clears throat> motor skills um, challenges. Sure. So I really just write very slowly. So anyway, so he did it well. And I, I told him, well, your daddy's going to get you anything you want. <laughs> and that was the, that was the magic word, anything, right? <laughs> and then I, I find out from the dad, like, so what did he get? So I was excited. Like, I hope Santi got like a like, really expensive toy, right? So sure. then, oh, he got an app, a free one. Like, <laughs> I, and that's why I had to tell his dad, right? Oh my gosh. I I don't accept that. I will talk to Santi and discuss <laughs> like how to take advantage of those opportunities. <laughs> what, <laughs> to I, get what I love about the story is one, he picked what he wanted. So he didn't care if it was free or for a cost of a thousand dollars, which I think is really endearing in, in some ways um, that, you know, it didn't matter the cost to him. He just wanted what something he liked. And so yeah. I, I thought that was it was it was a funny, but it was it was really kind of a, a awesome story in, in many ways. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, it also I think, uh, yes, yeah, as, as you say, like, it's just very genuine. Mm-hmm. But also, like going back to Raymond, right? Like, yeah. just not knowing when this is your time, right? Like, this is like basic survival, right? When the moment is there to get what you want, you grab it, right? And you know, a lot of kids would have taken advantage of it, right? So, sure, sure, he he, he didn't because that's not how he thinks, I guess. <laughs> so we kind of touched upon it. So the the way Charlie treats Raymond in the beginning of the film is kind of frustrating because it's obvious he just doesn't um, understand or have any empathy towards, towards Raymond. Have you encountered many kids or even adults um, that act that way towards Santi or people better now about certain things? I I think I have that, you know, you go through it. So maybe one that stands out was when we were on an airplane with, he was much younger, so we were going to Hawaii, and you know it was the sound of the of the plane that was bothering him. So he was crying a little. He was not crying. He was not having a great time. Got so, it. But but he was younger, maybe three or two, 
No, three. He was three. But yeah, you could tell that the passengers were not happy with it. But we mm-hmm. just had to explain. It's the noise. It's bothering him. But thankfully, people were nicer. But I remember, again, another airplane incident where Santi could not keep still. And it was a 12-hour flight. Oh, yeah. So we had to walk, walk along the hall and he, you know, he had chopsticks on him <laughs> and, you know, he was just, uh, tapping. It wasn't even loud. He, it was, he was tapping every seat that he passed. Right. Mm. And there was a mom with a kid that told us to stop doing it. Like, mm. it was like, I was like, look, you have a, you have a, a baby with you. <laughs> I'm sure you know how what I'm going through right now. Cause I was alone traveling with him. So I, like, right. I, and then at a certain point of the flight, we had to sit where the, the flight attendants were, where, oh, you know, really? where they had to, yeah, where, where they had to prepare the food sure. because I don't know, I guess we were bothering the passengers too much. Oh, wow. Or, yeah. So I guess that because he couldn't keep still, um, there are many other, other, incidents and i think for me my number one thing to do and i don't know if this is the right thing to do but like every time he goes to a camp or every time he goes to um a, an extracurricular activity i just tell immediately <laughs> he's autistic yeah no i think it's a good yeah. thing yeah um because it, as i've i've said to people like look if you see somebody with a physical disability it's easy you can tell right, like, right, but you right. if it's if it's in your brain it's not obvious you you know yeah, it, yeah. it might it's it, a hidden yeah. disability that's absolutely yeah yeah so yeah. i have to just be upfront and even with other like parents that you know my daughter has play dates and i i have to tell them look my son's autistic so he may not communicate the same way others do, he may get frustrated easily, or he may just talk about, you know, things he's passionate about over and over. So, but mm-hmm. he's autistic. So I, I think I need to do better though at, you know, how you go inside a, a room and you feel like people are judging your, you sure. or your child. No, absolutely. I, yep. Yeah. I had that default on me. Like, I just feel like they are going to judge him. They will judge him. So I'm always prepping Sanzi, but sometimes I feel like I'm too make, putting too much pressure on him and myself. Like mm. that we're unable to have fun anymore because <laughs> because I can't tell if what he's doing is acceptable, right, <laughs> or or not. But again, I go back to but why can't he be himself if he's not hurting anybody? Right? That's why right. can't he make you know louder sounds? Why? Is it really what people are thinking of me? Or I'm just putting that in my head because I've read so many news about it. Or mm-hmm. I'm just afraid of confrontation. Or Because it's painful to see your child get criticized or people look at your child differently. Or kids, you know, avoiding your child, right? Because it's because he's acting differently or he's overbearing, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no playbook. There's no manual about how to how to, how to you can you can only go from your experiences and and you do the best you can. And so uh, there's I don't think there's a right or wrong way you could handle this. No, yeah, there isn't. And probably the like as as we're talking about it, maybe the most recent one that I've had was with his previous school, right? Where it's like you think he's doing well, and then they list down everything that he thinks your they think your son is doing wrong in okay. class uh-huh. but most of it you feel like well 
it's because he's autistic. Like, what right. can I do about it, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, so he makes noises. Every morning he drops his bags. So he can't put all his bags in his, all his stuff in his backpack. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, because um, a lot of autistic children have trouble with executive functioning. So, right. you know, you, you have to lay down every step off a certain task for them. Otherwise, it's so overwhelming for them, right? So it's not a simple, like, go clean your room. It's like, okay, when you're in your room, first you fold <laughs> the bed sheets, <laughs> the sheets, and then you do this, and then you vacuum the floor. So every step has to be laid out. But uh, even educators, like, I find that they're not willing. I don't know if they're not willing, but maybe they're not trained to uh, make things better for them i don't know i'm gonna get some flack for this but not well, no, all it, there are there are some really good teachers and also santi santi's been um mainstreamed like so he is right. with with other kids that, that don't have autism which right. is great you know so he's not just with other autistic kids yeah but it's it's great and not so great because i find that some kids have learned to just tolerate him mm, instead of so get to know him yeah so he's not included so mm. So if one time I went to school with him because I wanted to help him, right? So he goes to the line and just tells, because again, this is the same thing as, are you taking any prescription medicine? Right? <laughs> <laughs> he goes to a couple of girls. He says to them, do you know that dinosaurs, like some fact about dinosaurs, right? Okay. Because <laughs> he loves dinosaurs. Uh, yeah. Or any animal or any yeah. animal. So he says so a fact about them. The girls look at each other and they ignore him. Mm-hmm. So now when they go back to class, Santi has what seems to be like unexplained anger towards them. Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, so now he's just like, he's questioning what they're saying. He's, um, you know, when they recite in class, he says something silly, right? Mm -hmm. But so what the teachers see is that, oh, he's being a mean kid. Mm -hmm. But what they didn't see was that before class started, he tried talking to them but he felt like he was ignored because right. he was ignored because and i can't blame the kids right because they don't understand what he's talking about right right yeah and, so and, yeah. The, and the kids don't have the maturity to, to at least you know say like oh that's nice that's all it probably would take <laughs> like you yeah, know right just, right oh yeah, how cool right oh, yeah how, yeah but but again like it, because they don't you know it, it's also one of the teacher's jobs i feel maybe or maybe if there were more teachers, who knows? <laughs> I guess at that point, no one was there, right? So they mm -hmm. encourage them. Like if somebody tells you, if Santi tells you something that's like that, mm -hmm. then I just tell them, oh, I see. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's all he needs. Right? Yeah. An acknowledgement that he exists and that what he said was heard. That's it. But what they just see is the behavior that stemmed out of that conversation. So right so it's always the aftermath it's always like the the person that punches back is the one that gets in trouble not the person that started the fight oh my gosh yeah, yeah. so just uh, yeah again like <laughs> i have so many stories but no and this is what i wanted <laughs> yeah because this is what yeah, this is what parents of kids that have autism you know have to deal with that, that yeah. a lot of people don't see gosh yeah so one is like recently he went to a nature camp Mm -hmm. So it was going so well, right? So three days, no behaviors. You know, he had so much fun. Mm -hmm. Fourth day <laughs> was, I, I get a phone call from the camp um, leads. They say, oh, Santi um, had, a, had a fight with one of the kids. Because apparently he told 
he saw a kid chase the geese. So mm-hmm. tell his son he loves animals. So yeah. he t- tells the kid, don't chase them. Of course, the kid <laughs> doesn't care. <laughs> he just, right. oh, wait, because he's being a kid, right? So, so he... He ignores Santi, and then Santi's just like, no, don't chase him. And then he tells Santi to shut up, right? Mm. Shut up, and then he, I guess he he brushes his his shoulder, right? But he's like, shut up. Mm-hmm. And Santi gets angry about it. So he they go back to class, and he stomps on his his foot. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so... So again, from that, from there, like the following day, it it escalated. They're still fighting against each other, but but what the news that I hear is that Santi was being very aggressive. Mm. So I asked Santi, said, "What happened? Why did why did you start hitting him?" Well, because I was telling a story. This was the following day, right, right after the geese incident. Mm-hmm. The following day, he was still be- being aggressive, and I thought we had had a conversation about it already. So I asked, why did you have to hit him? And he said, well, I was telling a story, and then he told me I was an idiot. Mm. And I, I guess one good thing about Santi is he doesn't back down from a confrontation. Right. So he's like, no, you're not telling me I'm an idiot. So I am, you know, come tag when they play tag. He was really after the kid. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> I, I am after. But again, like, so what they see is just Santi being the aftermath. Ag- yeah, ag- aggressive. Yeah. When they didn't know what he was called aggressive, uh, it, an idiot. And unfortunately, it's not the first time Santi's been called a variation of that term, right? Right, right. Because he's un- un- not un- he's misunderstood, so they think he's probably. Not he's not like us, and he must be an idiot or dumb or stupid. So. Right, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. just for reference, how old is Santi? He's ten. He's ten, but he's probably like maturity-wise, with um, neurotypical peers, probably more like a nine or an eight. Okay. Yeah. Um, does he have any like routines or, or things that or items he has to have? Like, kind of to kind of correlate with Raymond. Now I understand Raymond was kind of a rare case, but are there any like things that Raymond did at least to a lesser extent that Santi does? Um, n- n- not really because Santi is, well, okay. How do I, Santi needs to have a toy on him all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's any toy that he, whatever item he's interested in, because it's either that or the dog, right? Or our dog. Um, okay. <laughs> because I find it, it for him to be a conversation starter. Mm. So, you know, one he we, we would go to the playground, he would have toys on him because he wants the kids to come see the toys. And that for him is like, he's making connections. So in yeah. that term, yeah, that's what he has. But in terms of like um, making himself less anxious, it varies because it's not like he can't live without something. It's, it varies. So he's yeah, not the same. Not exactly the same as Raymond. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so are there any routines he has? So I, I think that's interesting. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Routines? Um, not really, no. But okay. once you teach him a routine, like for us, it was like getting ready for bed, right? So I had to map out a chart of like what he needs to do before he goes to bed. So that ha- he follows that to a T. Mm-hmm. And if I tell him, well, why did you do this? 
it's like things that we take for granted, right? Like, sure. why didn't you put on your shorts? Like, well, it was not on the list. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's my fault because I didn't put it on the list. To him, it was my fault. So, so he, he likes st- structure, obviously. He does. He, he, yes. Yes, he does. Sometimes I take it for granted that he doesn't because he does. Again, he's not like Raymond, right? Like at this no. time, he has to watch the show, right? No, it's right. not like that for oh, Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one thing I, I do love about the Raymond character um, is that I think we all have, you know, routines and rituals we do to keep our, ourselves safe. And now it might not be as rigid as what Raymond does, but we all go through certain things just because right. we like a certain routine. So I, I think that was really cool how they kind of, you know, brought that yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're actually, you're absolutely right. Like we do take that for granted, but we do like structure. Like, everybody will, will it benefits some, some form of structure and, you know, I guess some people just want like more rigid structures. <laughs> sure, others, sure. Yeah. Um, what What are some of the common misconceptions about autism that you encounter often? I, w- I would assume it's probably less now as opposed to, you know, obviously what what um, Tom Cruise's character was dealing with. Uh, there's a there's a very popular thing among the autism community, like. And they say, oh, you meet one person with autism, you meet one person with autism, something mm. to that effect. So I, I guess it's like, again, overgeneralizing, right? A certain right. feature, like, again, like, oh, your son's autistic, he must be really good at math. Mm. Um, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. Um, that not everybody has again savant qualities. Right. They may have certain um, um, fields that they're really interested in, and they have such a large capacity for information about that certain field. So, yeah. So some you see some kids that are really good at Legos. Mm-hmm. Like they build. You know, some autistic kids are really good at building stuff. Santi hates that. So for example, mm. that's one. Um, Number two is um, because not all of them can speak. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, mm-hmm. right. So, and I have heard this from even close family, like that, that they're not smart, that not, again, like this is the whole, like, are they, they must be smart or they must not be smart because they can't talk. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that's, but that's not true too. I've seen a lot of great work from nonverbal autistics. So and I and I, this is one. I'm just repeating what I see in the community. Sure, um, sure. Mm-hmm. One is from parents. I think when when the right now what we see on TV is really like the smart, the savants, the 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 rare the, cases. The, the, the who, who, uh, who's this guy? Oh my gosh, the Tesla guy. <laughs> Elon oh, Elon Musk. Musk. Yeah, yeah. The Elon Musk. But there are. Uh, autistic people that you know are are really struggle like they're not they really need more um support sure like, uh, yeah so i think that's it like just blanket the blanket saying that everyone is a, an albert einstein when right. not, or saying that everyone there's, there's we're all autistic in a certain way it's really not true no. i wish but no it's not so. Well, I, I think in many ways, the autism community is just like 
every other community in the sense yeah. that you can't like every person has their own unique quality. So just like every autistic right. person does. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. It's very different. I think. Yeah. It, and it's so because again, like we're creatures that want structure, that want to order. So we try to, okay, you must be autistic. You, you know, it gives us some sense of, um, confidence in dealing with someone if you know okay you're this then you must be this so it's a lot more complex than that mm -hmm. so my to kind of wrap up um i was always curious so your, your daughter is not autistic um mm -hmm. how does she react towards santi i mean granted she's known obviously he's older so she's always been around santi so it's not any different to him does she know that he's he's a little bit different or she doesn't care or she would treat him the same because it's her brother and you know that's just the way things go so Caitlin grew up with with this, right? So yeah. she, you know, our days have been scheduled around a certain a routine of therapies. Or, right, right. Or, yeah, or Santi needs help here. Santi got into a fight here. You don't know. <laughs> so she is very aware of what Santi is. Mm -hmm. um, and how does she treat him? Like as any normal <laughs> eight-year-old would a brother so you know a lot of times they don't get along sure um <laughs> yeah but i can see that when santi is being mistreated she does defend santi right she really does she won't admit it but yeah she i can see like i don't like that kid she yeah was, he was very mean to santi it's kind of the old adage was like you know i can make fun of my brother or i can right. be mean to my brother but you better not be <laughs> you know yeah 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 so is that, and you know, there's, we're, I'm very open, like in my home, mm -hmm. very open to, about Santi. Santi knows he's autistic because I don't think there's anything wrong with it, right? It's no. Just, yeah. So I treat it as that. And I've always, and I don't know, maybe you need another segment on siblings of someone, of <laughs> caregivers, right? So sure, sure. there's a lot of movies about that too. Um uh yeah uh he she knows that we need to take care we need to give santi a different kind of support right so right. she she's she grows she, that's because also of my culture right mm -hmm. we yeah i <laughs> there is that so you have to take care of your sibling even if you know you'll have your own life but you need to take care of your sibling so i i tried to press that on early even now, I assume. So, so even yeah. though she's she's very young, but do you ever find her getting resentful, like just attention wise? Like, look, like <laughs> I'm, a, you know, I have needs too. I, I, you know, I, I'm your. I, other I kid. think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, like she started to become really sensitive to noise, mm. and I think one time she wondered if she were she was autistic too. Hmm. I also wonder if she's just doing that because she wants to be like her brother. Or she wants some attention be that he gets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what it exactly it is because she's unable to verbalize it. She probably can't understand what she's feeling too. So. Right. Right. And that's, that's probably something you, I guess you're aware of and, and I don't know if you worry about it, but it's definitely something that you have to keep an eye on. Yeah. Cause she started like, she started like now she's wearing Santi's um, noise canceling headphones. Headphones, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in class, she also goes out of the class if it's, and you know, the same things that we're doing with Santi. Like she, she takes breaks. She, so I'm curious if it's really, if there's really something real, like 
anatomically, physiologically that's bothering her, or this is more, is it attention, as you say, or I don't mm-hmm. know. And you don't, and you won't know. Maybe this, you just kind of have to <laughs> see how it evolves. Right, right. And maybe when she's older, she'll explain to me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know. And that's, yeah. I think that's the most challenging part. It's hard enough being a parent, and this just adds more layers to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I worry too that she's not, you know, because sometimes they get into fights, her and Santi, where Santi can be like physically aggressive, right? Sure. And, I always, when, you know, Santi can get really, I tell her to fight back. Mm -hmm. I have to, because I don't want her growing up thinking that that's normal. Right. Mm -hmm. Because then it will, you know, it will branch out into a different relationships where she's beaten up and she thinks, that's fine. They're angry. It's okay. Right. You can accept it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Punch him back. (laughs) (laughs) It's much more nuanced than that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you know, so... It's those things like we do need to adjust to Santi, but that doesn't mean he gets to step all over us. So. Right, you know, right, right. Well, I, I really appreciate you doing this, Chris. And I appreciate you being so you know open and honest uh, about this. I thought it was important to you know I, I could kind of give the basics about what I've learned about autism, but obviously I have, I have no idea uh, what it's like. And uh, I think that you probably introduced uh, you know opened up some people's eyes about. Uh, you know, things. Yeah. And I appreciate you doing it. Thank you. Also, I wanted to point out and um, to be clear to your listeners that sure, sure. I, I, it is a, from perspective of a neurotypical from a mom. So mm-hmm. I am not autistic. So right. Right. It, it would be really cool if you, if you know, I, I also wonder a lot of times what Santi's really feeling. Sure. I don't know. Sure. So just a caveat but <laughs> no absolutely and and that's um but you're the closest thing to, to someone right who I think, right you know, right because no, i'm no, not absolutely. i'm not in your Thank shoes you. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and that yeah so it's nice to give give us the voice to and you know, to to share what we feel and how things are for us <laughs> yeah absolutely so thank you again chris thank you If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for damn good movie memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. 